Blog Talk Radio. One of the uh, interesting changes in the business world in the last uh, last decade or two has been the the lifespan of many businesses. Uh, in the past, when someone started a business, uh, the goal is usually to grow and gain size and market share, and and surely some of that growth came from acquisition. But in today's climate, we often see businesses started with a specific objective of eventually selling that business. Uh, hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and on this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte, we're going to discuss uh, mergers and acquisition, or M&A process. Uh, joining me will be Lavelle Law shareholder Stephen Magala and Dominic Rinaldi, the owner and managing partner of Sun Acquisitions. Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Thanks, uh, first of all, for being here today. Jim, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. And Good to have you back, Steve. And, and Dominic, I want to start with you because we're, we're we're in a very unique time. You've, you've been a part of over 300 M&A transactions, and, and suddenly with uh, the appearance of the COVID-19 uh, virus, uh, I'm sure business has tailed off. So, so first of all, give me a snapshot of where we are today, and then and then maybe just look back to how 2020 started. Was there a lot of activity at that point, and just kind of a, a look at uh, the overall picture right now? You know, Jim, it's it's very interesting to see how things are unfolding. I mean, clearly there are a lot of businesses that are in crisis mode. Uh, many have shut down. Some are trying to figure out what the new normal looks like. Uh, some are actually doing very well. Uh, they happen to be a benefactor. Their goods or services are in high demand right now. So it's been it's been very strange to manage through and watch clients go through different things uh, as a result of this crisis. For our firm, we currently have, uh, just as a, you know, a litmus test, we have eight deals that are in diligence, meaning the buyer and seller have agreed to a letter of intent and they're in diligence. And we've actually only have, have had one of those deals go in pause mode and it hasn't even been terminated. The buyer has just asked to put hit the pause button to see what happens here over the next couple of weeks. The other seven are progressing. Now, do I think that all seven will get done? I am not certain of that. Uh, but they're moving forward. Um, banks are still engaged. The professionals are still engaged, and, and we're moving along the path. New deal flow has certainly slowed down because I think people are trying to figure out what, what you know, the future future looks yeah. like. And that said, you know, coming into this year, we had had our best year ever in 2019. And we were already off to a tremendous start in 2020. And our forecast was to beat 2019. Who, who knows what will happen now, but the year started off gangbusters. Well, I want to, you mentioned being in crisis mode. And, and I, what I'd like to do is focus our conversation on, on sort of the nuts and bolts and draw on the experience both of you have in M&A, but if there's a minute or two at the end, um, Dominic, maybe we'll circle back to to what we want to be aware of and, and perhaps pitfalls of trying to do a deal in this uh, circumstance. But, Steve, let, let me just turn to you for a minute. Um, you know, your firm, Lavelle Laws, has always been a strong proponent of business owners having a good succession plan. We've looked at that a lot. Um, in general, does a succession plan really include preparing to sell a business, even if it's you know sometime down the road in the future? Yes, uh, it does. Um, you know, it, when when owners start uh, contemplating a sale, you know, we we always try to encourage them. To, you know, a few years 
uh, ahead of time before when they actually want to uh, sell the business to kind of get them thinking about about the sale and start um, you know uh, building their team and kind of really working almost backwards and just you know beginning with the end in mind. Um, how do you see your post-sale life? Um, you know, what's your current position? And then, you know, building a, a team and a strategy to kind of bridge that gap and get you to the sale. And, and Dominic, I'll let you, you know, weigh in on, on the timing of that as well, but assuming that you agree that, it, you know, better done long-term planning, uh, what, what then would the initial steps be that a, a business owner should take if they're contemplating selling a business? Yeah, so, you know, we think that owners should start the process early and often. I totally agree with Steve. Um, and way we approach this is we look, at th- we look at it as three legs on a stool. The first leg being, are you personally ready uh, to move away from the business, whether that's retirement or another venture or whatever it is? And personally ready is, do you have enough money? Is your estate in order? The second thing is, what's the condition of your business? Uh, what's the value of it? How are the value drivers of your business performing? And in any given business, there's probably eight to 12 value drivers. So we're looking to assess a business and see if there are gaps and if an owner can improve value somewhere along the way. And then the third leg of that stool is their emotional readiness. Um, how will they know they, they're emotionally ready to walk away and not feel remorse? And you mentioned value, and that was actually the next thing on my list here. And, and I, you know, certainly someone who's going to sell, they want to maximize the value, um, get it to the right book level before they sell. But, you know, what are some of the things that a good op- business operator can do to, to put their business in the right position to, to gain the right value when they do choose to sell? You know, so there are a lot of things uh, that they can do, and it, it comes back to the value drivers that, I was mm-hmm. discussing, and it, so for example, um, you know, one value driver is uh, is the owner, the business. Uh, do they drive a substantial amount of the sales? Are they functionally involved in the business, uh, where decisions can only get made with them uh, as a part of that process? So, the, as you can imagine, the more the owner pulls themselves out of the business. Uh, the more valuable because a buyer will pay if the business can easily be transferred. But if the buyer is mm-hmm. concerned that there are relationships or if the business runs on the owner's knowledge, there's more concern about what post-transition looks like. Another good example is client concentration. Does any one client represent more than 10 or 15% of the company's revenues? As you can imagine the higher the concentration, the lower the value. So these are the things that we work with owners on, hopefully well in advance, to help them mitigate and close the gaps and improve their value score. And when we're talking about value, Steve, uh, you know, if someone is running a business, and Dominic referred to, you know, the, the value of the owner, uh, someone decides that it's it's time to start thinking about selling. They want the most value. That, that's that's a lot of work to work through a transaction. Is it is it best uh, to use a third party to handle the transaction and not get personally involved and lose sight of running the day to day business in this process? Um, well, you know, for attorneys, we're not too involved in you know determining uh, value and, and valuation. You know, we we we, we leave that to. Uh, you know, the experts and professionals that handle um, the valuation uh, component of the business. 
And so certainly, you know, we have people like Dominic that come in and, and, and handle that stuff. Um, and what we try to help with is kind of getting them to the point where, um, you know, they're, they're uh, in a good position to sell. So we'll help them with uh, advice, you know, and that could be on um, structuring their uh, contracts or agreements or uh, just some, you know, even some tax advice so with respect to, you know, having them just stop running, you know, uh, personal expenses to the business and kind of, uh, start showing more taxable income and, 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 and therefore increasing EBITDA and things like that. So, yeah, and and uh, Steve McGall is uh, sharing some thoughts with us. We're talking about the M&A process on the podcast today. Uh, Stephen, of course, a shareholder at Lavelle Law, is a regular contributor here, and he authors uh, uh, Banking and Business monthly newsletter. You can subscribe to that and find. Uh, other articles and podcasts from Stephen by visiting LavelleLaw.com. It's a very robust uh, website, great deal of content. And also today, uh, Dominic Rinaldi, the owner and managing partner of Sun Acquisitions. You can find out more about Dominic's work at SunAcquisitions.com. And he also hosts a podcast series dedicated specifically to M&A, uh, M&A Unplugged, which you can find at MAUnplugged.com. Uh, plenty of information there. Uh, and Dominic, we've been talking about sellers. Let's let's flip to the other side of the equation and look at buyers. Um, what sort of due diligence highlights stand out for you when you start you know, looking at what a buyer should be doing? You know, uh, I, I start again with buyers early in the process, hopefully. Um, we see that buyers don't do enough prep work before they get out into the market. Uh, they get excited about doing a transaction, maybe because opportunistically somebody presented them with something and they didn't really build a strategy and a plan that's comprehensive, that contemplates, you know, what are their high uh, overarching goals? Uh, what are they trying to achieve? What kind of return on investment are, are they looking for? And do they have a measurement for that return on investment? Uh, and how are they going to integrate that business? That's something that we see overlooked almost all the time uh, where you, you get into an integration and there are invariably issues. So these are really important things for somebody to think through and make sure that they have a plan around. You don't have to solve for all of this up front, uh, but you certainly should be thinking about all of these things before you march out and, and start looking to acquire something. And I want to ask you a question, maybe it's uh, just terminology, but, um, you know, when, when you look at the term mergers and acquisitions, there's there's two pieces there. And we've, I think, been talking primarily about acquisitions where one potentially larger, more dominant company buys a smaller one for, for good reason. Uh, but there are instances in which two companies look at each other and go, you know, we're about the same, but if we got together, we might be a powerhouse. And is there really a difference between a, a merger and an acquisition? Do you see some instances in which sort of two equals are coming together, and does that present unique circumstances for you? Yeah, you, absolutely. There There is a difference. Uh, you know, sometimes it's a subtle difference, but there is a difference. But that said, what I'd say is at the end of the day, somebody needs to be in control of the new entity on a go-forward basis. Uh, what you don't want to have is a situation where uh, you wind up in, in quicksand, where people are not making decisions, where the, the operation is not nimble. 
we have a, a client right now that's contemplating this very thing, and we've been counseling them around, you know, the fact that, you know, they need to look at culture, they need to look at fit. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all excited about, obviously, the strategic uh, advantages of merging the operations. But at the end of the day, somebody has to be in charge of that operation, and we're trying to help them think through what that looks like. We've, we've got Culture and fit are very huge. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it's a very uh, bit, yeah, it's a very big concern. Culture and fit. Yeah, you know, I've I've been uh, involved in deals um, on, on the south side, certainly where um, uh, everything's a great transaction, and the buyer just isn't um, equipped to deal with the different cultures, um, and, and and doesn't adequately plan for that and, and transition uh, that uh, culture into theirs. And so, you know, then you see kind of the um, performance of the uh, acquired company, you know, deteriorate over time. And, and, and I've seen it. So it's, it's definitely very important to, uh, for a buyer to uh, plan for that. Yeah, and certainly culture is something that's hard to quantify. We spend a lot of time looking at the numbers and the financing. But as, as you both pointed out, there are other values and pieces that go into that. And, and before I let you go, Dominic, just a minute or so left here, I was going to ask you about some of the common mistakes you see, but something you mentioned at the beginning with our current economic uh, crisis, um, is someone jumping into a deal because of a crisis one of the common issues you see? I mean, it it may be urgent for them, but does that lead to some bad deals sometimes? Certainly can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You need need to have a clear head, and that's why, you know, go back to the comment I made earlier, you need to have a strategic plan. Why are you looking to acquire a business? What's your plan? What are your ROI targets? Who's your team? Uh, how are you going to integrate? And, and don't let crisis drive your decisions. Now, certainly there are going to be tremendous opportunities for buyers who have uh, healthy balance sheets right now. But even that being said, you still want to be prudent and make sure that you've got a plan and all those pieces in place so you're making wise decisions. Well, um, I think one of the best decisions we made was uh, getting this conversation together today. Unfortunately, it's as much time as we have for now, so I want to thank uh, our guests for being with us. We'll wrap things up. But if you have other questions, and I'm sure many of you do, about buying and selling businesses, uh, be sure that you reach out to either Stephen McGala over at Lavelle Law, 847 847- Seven zero five seven five five five, or Dominic Rinaldi, who joined us today from Sun Acquisitions, three one two seven two zero nine 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 three. Thanks to them for being here. Thanks to all of you for listening as well. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.